The rule of three. You ever notice you only can hold three or four key concepts in your head at a time? It's the same thing in the same functional way with finances. So let's focus on what those key three things are for your financial life. It's Brian Preston, the money guy. Restoring order to your financial chaos. Retirement, investing, taxes. You've got financial questions, he's got financial answers. It's Brian Preston, the money guy. Here's what I'm so excited about. Uh, how long has this show been going on? Since January 2006. Since January of 2006. So there, the math has gotten hard, so I just start the, giving you the start of the show instead of how many years. So there is just a plethora of information out there. If you want to go out and learn about pretty much any financial topic out there, if you want to know about equity indexed annuities, or you want to know about Roth conversions, or you want to know about saving money in your utility bills, whatever you want to know, we've probably done an episode. There's probably a show out there about that. Well, you and I were talking in pre-show prep, and we were thinking, what if we wanted to just distill it all down? Mm -hmm. If we could bring everything down and you could just do these things, it sets you up for success. And that's kind of what we were aiming for with this episode. You know, one of the things I think about immediately is like life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. You know, that is in our Declaration of Independence here in the United States. You know, old Tom Jefferson, he was on to something when he penned those words. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That's right. You see how it just rolls off that three? You go, uh, uh, and then a and, and then uh, the final uh. Same thing. Steve Jobs, when he came out, you at least have your phone. Hold uh -huh. that phone up as okay. a display. You don't have to give your number or so, whatever. You know, iPhone, it's got an iPod, it's got a phone, and then an internet connection device. I love it. I mean, Steve did well. I mean, this is the next evolution after the iPod. And we want, the, the financial thing makes complete sense because you can only focus on what you control. And I think sometimes we get so encompassed in the complexity of life, all the things we have going on, that we, we kind of lose that really, if we could just get three key things, maybe focus the next year on, you're going to be in a better place. Yep. So I want, and look, I know this is, this is why this is starting off weird is because by the way, we're doing this on April 1st, which is April Fool's Day. We're doing this on a day we're not supposed to record. We're running a skeleton crew. I was out, I, I recorded, we recorded last Tuesday and I already got picked on by some listeners because I said I was feeling a little under the weather. Do you right. remember oh, we yeah. even had some oh, people yeah. in the chat room say, Brian's always sick. Well, guess what? I had the straight up flu. I was bedridden from, because I worked Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Somehow none of you guys caught it. I don't know how y'all yeah. didn't catch the flu. I think it's because I'm very considerate with my germs. I think you just have a weaker immune system than the rest of but us. But then Wednesday I was really sick, worked that day, went to the doctor Thursday morning, and she told me I had the flu, and I said, okay, so what does that mean? You got some great feel-good medicine, right? And she, you know, bed rest, feel-good medicine. She's like, no, you just go home. And I was like, well, you're going to prescribe something to me, right? She goes, I mean, you can go pick up some Theraflu or something, you know, you take some with Tylenol. And I was like, this is how we're treating the flu these days is they don't give you anything. You just go home. You try not to moan too much around your wife so that she doesn't think you're a worthless Helpless right, husband, right, right. you know, who complains too much when he's sick. So I was in the bed Thursday afternoon, all, all Thursday, I should say, all Friday. Woke up Saturday and started feeling better. Today, I feel awesome, but it, you realize I had a week of stuff going into my chest. So if I laugh, I cough. 
So your job is not to make me laugh. All right, I'm gonna try to be as uh, and that's pretty easy for you. As unfunny as possible. It's, it's easy. On this You'll episode. be able to handle it. But that's why if you see us having some awkward looks at each other, is because I am fully recovered. So I am just busting at the seams to get you all these three key concepts. And then I also want to make sure that we we do this right in light of all this crazy stuff we have going on in the background. Because realistically, this is a big show. I mean, this is if 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 you had to tell somebody to go listen to one episode. Right. You said, hey, I just want to turn you on to the Money Guy show. Other than this being like a, a weird April Fool's episode, this would be a good one to start with. Yeah. If you wanted to introduce somebody to the concept of how to make good financial decisions, this show would be a, would be a good this one. This would probably be number one. And then I'd probably do something like order of operations, yep. what to do with cash reserves. Well, let's jump in. First thing, here's if you're looking, you got to keep score. If you're writing down and you're saying, okay, I got another three. Here's number one, and then we're going to give you all the sub points and context for this. The first one is keep it simple. Yeah, it's the uh, it's the kiss principle. If you're familiar with that, uh, we want to be more polite than putting uh, stupid on the end of it. But my, keep my, it my youngest would say that's a cuss word. Oh well, then that, I'm yeah, glad that so we I'm didn't. Glad that we out kept there. that that yep. second s off. Um, but and, and here's what we mean by this: financial world. If you listen to the pundits out there, if you look at the people pushing products. They're trying to tell you that things have to be complex. Right. And then just naturally, I think the world has gotten somewhat complex in the fact that, I mean, you got all these different countries that you can invest your money in. Yep. You've got all these different industries. You've got, it's just a lot of moving parts. You can figure out, are you an equity person? Are you a bond person? Are you a real estate person? Are you That's a right. cryptocurrency? We had somebody in the pre-show talking about they're doing their tax returns with cryptocurrencies right. and all the transactions they had to report. This stuff makes the financial world more complex. And I'm not so sure that necessarily translates into better for you. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I mean, I feel like, you know, obviously you know, we always talk about, you know, back in the day, pre-endowment days, it was really easy to like even manage money. It was stocks, bonds, and cash. Well, now we've moved into CDOs and CMOs and ETFs and IRAs. And there's just all these different types of ways to employ your army of dollar bills how on earth do you know if you're implementing the right strategy or using the right, you know, right mechanism to and, do so? And don't forget about the, the sexy rich people traps. That's right. Sexy rich people traps are, you know, you hear about bear traps. These are things where they put pine straw on it and then they capture rich people in them and then they trap them in these things for seven to 10 years and they just can't get out of them. <laughs> That's right. So those are, those are fall under this. But here's what I really want people to understand is from the Great Recession on, I think people realize when you got back to the basics you, you were just in a better situation. Yep. So what do, you, what do I mean when I say getting back and protecting yourself from complexity and keeping it simple is one great way to stay simple is being organized. Yep. You know, I, I think it's really interesting. One of the things that, uh, that we see all the time, because uh, obviously we, we do wealth management, we're family financial advisors, uh, it's what we do for a living. So we get to work with uh, really successful folks who've done a great job of building up assets, but even really successful folks who've done a great job of building assets find themselves in this position where they have 50 different accounts yeah. in 50 different places from 50 different employers with no real cohesion and strategy. So if you're someone who looks at your financial life and it's just unorganized, I would argue that you're kind of in the majority as opposed to the minority. Yeah, and there's people, I mean, I've, I pick on my, my poor sister-in-law, um, if she ever starts watching a show, I'm in trouble. Um, her and my mother, but because um, I don't pick on my wife, I'm too scared of her. But you know, she picked out every holding in her 401k that had the word growth in it. Yeah, that, that is right. not. 
the way you do this. This is you also don't want to have your your life look like a patchwork or a quilt mm-hmm. where in the 1980s, you know, you had this job and you were doing, you know, all these financial stocks That's and right. then in the 90s you were doing all these technology stocks in the early 2000s you started doing all the REITs, you know, REITs and other things like that and your your wife shouldn't read it like that. That's a keep it simple. Yep. Don't fall into these these traps that I think just don't do your life well. And then I, I think the other thing is just understand that we live in this great new world where you can do index investing, you can do target date retirement funds. You don't have to do complexity. Don't let somebody sell you or put you in a box that puts you in a bad situation. Right. Um, the other thing we see on keeping things organized is if life changes. Oh, that's I mean, a huge think of think about this. You get, you know, you were single, now you're married, or maybe you've maybe unfortunately you've been divorced or you you had somebody pass away. I mean, all these things create change that you might have accounts, you you know, you mentioned, you know, you could consolidate this down to, to, if you could have a few accounts and bring them into two or three, less paperwork coming in, makes life going to feel better. You know, it's so funny, and I'm going to give away a little bit of a trade secret here. If you're someone who uh, ever in the future considers reaching out to us to potentially become a client, one of the things we have clients do is we have them answer this questionnaire that walks through... Uh, you know, a bunch of personal things, you know, what are some good financial decisions you've made, bad ones? Well, one question we always ask on there, hey, are there any significant changes that have happened in the last five years? Any significant changes you think are going to happen in the next five years? Right, right. And I'm always amazed when people say, oh, no, nothing has changed. And I'll, and I'll say something to the effect of, well, hey, you have a, a 23-year-old child, you know, five years ago, they were 18, circumstances have changed, right? right? Or you had a kid that was in the house or a kid out of the house or when you had those estate documents done. It's amazing to me how often people don't recognize that their financial life changes just because of natural progression of how our life moves. And those are important times to get those financial documents and things updated as you're working through that. Um, Kind of closing out, keeping it simple though. Here's some key concept. Pay yourself first. Mm -hmm. You know, that practice for scarcity. It's if you do this, if you always live a little below what you actually make, you're going to do great. That's a great. Uh, you said you said something right there, and I think it's worth expanding on. Uh, do you budget? I used to budget, but I think it's once you get if you graduate into a cash management plan, you will no longer have to budget. Meaning that I'm paying myself for first. I have this for scarcity that as I make more money, as income increases. I just allocate more money to savings, to paying off debt, that it, it really frees me because I know I'm doing my, my you know, 25% to saving for the future sure. that I'm giving to charities that I want to. So if there's money left over, it, it really is a simplifying, nice release moment that yep. I get to go spend the other parts and not feel guilty about it. Yep. I mean, it really is one of those things. And then take advantage of strategies like dollar cost averaging, because mm-hmm. that's also be another thing. If you set it, forget it, it's going to make your life easier and it's simple. W- wouldn't you agree that one of the things that we see most often when, when people become uh, anxious about their financial situation is they've made a decision uh, to either uh, retire, and so the risk, to- the risk circumstance changes, or maybe they made a decision, they got scared of the markets, and they went to cash, and they're trying to figure out when to go back into investing and back yeah. and forth, and they get caught in this analysis paralysis. Yeah. Don't you feel like 
that's one of the number one ways that people make their financial situation not simple yeah. is by essentially analyzing themselves into doing nothing. It's exactly right. I mean, and that's what we, we see people that turn into prospects that didn't become clients is people who are brilliant. A lot of you analytical thinkers out there, you will fall in that trap of thinking, okay, I can find the right thing because I'm so smart, the right opportunity to the point that you just miss the entire wave. That's so right. it, it makes sense if that's something, if you know you're susceptible to that, take 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 inventory and do something. And then some, I don't even have this written down, but I was just thinking about it. I am reaching that age. I'm in my, I, I, I'm gonna start saying in my later 40s. Yeah. I'm in the second half of it. And um, the older I get, the more I'm realizing, I just want my life simpler. Mm -hmm. I mean, it ties into this, um, you know, whether it's, how big do you want your house to be? How many pieces of real estate do you want? How hard, because right now everybody's wrapping up their taxes yep. and you're probably going, when, you, when you're trying to track down documents, you're like, why is my life yeah. so daggum complex? Yep. Keep it simple is going to win at the end of the day. And you're gonna find that as you get older, I hear this trend so often, from people, because I think when you're younger, you want complexity because you think that's what rich people that's and successful right. people do. But once you actually reach success, you're like, how do I get my life to be simpler so I can actually enjoy more? That's why keep it simple is the first key rule on our rule of three. So let's move on to number two. So if you got the pen and paper down, here's the second one. Keep an eye on taxes and fees. Yeah, that, that's a huge one. We, we talk about it all the time because people, come, the, the number one thing that gets people to often come into the door to talk talk with us or talk with any financial advisor for that matter is talking about investment management, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, and so what I think people are surprised to hear us say is, uh, we don't get to control what the markets do. I mean, we can control to some extent how much we participate in the markets, but ultimately if the markets are going down, we're gonna lose money. And if they're going up, we're gonna make money. We can't control it. We only get to control the direction, but there are two pieces that we do get to control. When I, I think about this, this is the way I always put it is, when somebody tells me they have 15, 20, 25 years before they retire, I'm like, what, I mean, what are we worried about cash? stocks, bonds. I mean, you're going to be invested mm -hmm. because you have too long before you retire. So what do we care what's going on in the short term? If, if we need to focus on what does the future look like? And if the future is this, it's exactly what you just said. Don't worry about the stuff you can't control That's because right. all you're doing is worried about something that you are just going to, it's going to bother you and it's going to create stress with the stress that is unreasonable when there's no ability to have an impact on it. Yep. What you can impact are these two things we just mentioned, taxes and fees. And in the short term, that is, it's going to be, I think it's going to help you sleep better. And in the long term, when you have that understanding of what you can control and what you can't control, you're going to make better financial decisions. You're going to be more successful. And then I think it also will protect you from what we get to number three in a minute. You'll see that just that healthy relationship is going to make you so much better in the long term. But so you said, Brian, that one of the things that we can control is taxes. And I think, and you know, we used to say this, I'm, I'm pretty sure anytime somebody doesn't know who actually said something, they just, it, say, Benjamin they just say Benjamin Franklin. So I don't know if it was actually Franklin who said uh, this. You know, it's funny you said, because I think, I think he probably did say something like this, but yeah. we have... Because it is funny how many Benjamin Franklin yeah, he, quotes we pulled he up. He said a lot of stuff. You're like, surely God he was Benjamin Franklin. The dude was obviously we already know he was a genius, but 
You should have written down more stuff that he said, obviously. So, so essentially what he said was, or what someone said was, there are only two things that are certain, death and taxes. But what you're saying is that taxes are actually something that we can't control. So how, are we re- how, how do you reconcile those two items? Now, uh, look, I'm not saying we're Al Capone here because tax evasion will end you in Alcatraz, just like Al Capone. Um, our concern is, but what is actually encouraged is tax minimization. You can avoid taxes legally by the way you structure your portfolio. So you got to make sure that you're taking, that, taking advantage of that. And one of the biggest things we tell you, you know, in the beginning, when you're starting out, you don't even really have to necessarily focus on the tax part because you can do a ta- target retirement fund. That's right. But we've told you once you get your assets over two hundred, three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars you're going to need to really start paying attention to tax location. That's right. And what I mean by tax location is, is that if you have a, a tax deferred account, like a 401k, that's where you go put your bonds in because they right. generate ordinary income. And nobody wants to pay ordinary income tax rates because they're their highest income tax yep. rates. So let's get those, those in those tax deferred 401ks and 403bs. When we have dividend paying stocks. Mm-hmm. You know, it's something that we want to have easy access to. That's your liquidity and you just want to do that after tax type that's holdings. Right. Or something that spits off like qualified capital gain distributions. Exactly. Things, like that. things that you could get some type of tax benefit of lower tax rate, capital gains, dividends, those things are all paid at lower tax rates. Um, take advantage of that. And then things you think are going to be hyper growth motivated that are going to allow you to stick it to the man legally. Yep. You want to put those in your Roth, your tax-free accounts. So that's what we're talking about when we say tax location. So a plan can be integrated like a nice, complex jigsaw puzzle that'll work perfectly for a client. So what we just said was, uh, if, if you didn't pay attention, that was some pretty valuable insight. I mean, I like to think that everything we say is pretty valuable. That was pretty important. Let me say it a little bit differently. If you're someone out there and the way that you're managing your port- portfolio is you know you want to be a 60-40 mix. And so in your 401k, you're 60-40. And then in your brokerage account, you're 60-40. And then your Roth IRA, you're 60-40. If that's something that's resonating with you in terms of how you're managing your portfolio, there's a chance you're not managing it in the most tax-efficient way possible. Yeah. I mean, and, and think about it. If you, if you could save yourself $1,000, $2,000 a year in taxes... That's money that might might be working in your army of dollar bills. So let's maximize these opportunities. Um, The the second component of avoiding or trying to minimize taxes and fees is is that component of fees. Let's let's kind of talk about that. And the first one, transaction fees. Yeah. Now, when I say this one, because realize when I say fees, I don't think you can get rid of all fees. No, you, you certainly can't because there is no free lunch, no. right? I, think I mean, Benjamin Franklin fidelity, said that. fidelity freedom fund. I mean, the fidelity zero funds sure. are actually free. But, um, you know, it, it, at the end of the day, there are things that are going to have a transaction fee. Yep. And I want you to minimize. And a lot of times you can do no load mutual funds. Mm-hmm. Um, you can do, you know, if you buy like from Fidelity, Schwab, Vanguard, they, they, they give you access to their funds without fees. Yeah. And another, you know, if transaction fees is one of the things you're trying to cut, there's a huge way to do that. You just have to know the custodian with a lot of them. If you sign up for like online statements mm-hmm. where you m- normally might pay, you know, $9.95 to trade a stock or an ETF, you do online statements, it might be like $4.95 or, or something. Or pool like that. your assets. Yep. Because it's crazy to have $250 at one um, custodian, another $250, because they might have a break point at a half a million That's dollars right. or a million dollars where once you have that level of assets with them, 
They just give you stuff for free. That's right. So it's, it's the same reason like your homeowner's insurance. If you put your car and your house at the same place, they give you a deal. Yep. It's kind of the same way with where your custodians are. And transaction fees, and this is what I was kind of alluding to, is that we even pay them every now and then right. to get access to some funds we like. But what we do is we just try to make sure that we buy enough of the of the 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 fund so that the transaction fee is such a minuscule portion of it that it doesn't hurt you. What you don't want to get into, because I see people, I used to deal with this when I was working um, actually on the fee side. I was actually on the, the, the commission side of when I first started managing money is that people would have buy you know set up a hundred dollars a month or two fifty a month right. dollar cost averaging strategy and then have a transaction charge every, every month time. to buy that that's horrible I'd rather them pull those assets together and have one much lower transaction yep. fee because the quantity typically didn't matter it yep. was just they were going to charge you the same transaction fee whether it was two fifty or whether it was a hundred thousand dollars and I mean you sort of alluded to this if you are paying a transaction fee for some sort of investment you purchase just make sure you understand why some some funds you might pay a transaction fee to get a lower internal expense. I mean, that's most often the case. When and that we could be a better one. deal. Exactly. You just have to understand why you're paying it. Is it, why are you paying it? Is it reasonable? And then is it justified based on what your strategy is? And that works because, and I'm skipping around a little bit because we have internal expenses on here. Mutual funds, anybody who's buying ETS, mutual funds, those things have what's called internal expenses. Sure. This is the cost of keeping the doors open for all the compliance costs, sending out the paper yep. that all the attorneys require and everything else that's going on, the taxes, the regulatory stuff. So there's going to be an internal expense. And you just want to make sure that the, the transaction fee, the internal expenses, you're taking those two in, in as a whole. Because, Bo, you're exactly right. We have dealt with funds that were NTF, non-transaction right. fee funds, but you find out they have an internal expense of a half a percent. Yep. And you're like, well, Okay, that's all right. I don't have to pay a transaction fee. But then you find out they have an institutional version yep. that you have access to because you're buying enough shares of. But it might have a transaction fee of $25 every time yep. you buy it. You've got to balance which one is a math. It's, it's a simple math better, calculation yeah. is what it is. But pay attention to those because there is a way to minimize the fees. That's you just right. kind of have to squeeze it the right way and make sure you're buying the right version of the investment you want. And then the last thing, and everybody knows this, commissions. Oh, yeah. I would like for you, if you're going to at all possible, avoid commissions. Um, if you work with a commission person, you know, first of all, I'd ask you if you find out you're with a commission person, are you buying index funds? Mm -hmm. You've heard us do so many shows on where the industry is going is people are buying index funds. I mean, it's just it's try, instead of trying to beat the market, just buy the market. So the first thing, if I see somebody has commissions, I'm like, are they even able to buy into one of the primary investments that I want people in these days? And then the second thing is, is if they are selling something with commissions, find out why. Is yep, there a reason for why we're doing this versus a no load or, you know, something that would give me better access like an index fund? You know, that, that's actually great advice. And this is just a brief aside. If you are ever working with any sort of financial advisor, a great question to always ask is why? Why do you do it this way? Why do you feel this is, makes the most sense? Why do you feel that this is the appropriate structure? You want to make sure they have a really good answer for that because it matters. Yep. So in review, number one of the rule of three was keep it simple. Number two was keep an eye on taxes and fees. And then the final thing in the rule of three is know yourself. I love it. I tried to say it with a, a low you know, because I had this groggly voice from the, you know, recovering from the flu. Did you think he was going to start coughing too? Yeah, I, did, I thought you he think was, I was too. about to start coughing. I thought you were going. To. Really? Yeah, I thought as soon as you went low, oh, I got this happen. thing under control. It's getting stronger. <laughs>
That's what you come in with a sick voice. This thing, it, it, it was like game time. Let's wake up, boys. It's time to wake up. So this thing, it's gotten know yourself. Know yourself. To thine own self be true. So here's it. the thing. Know yourself. We talk about the behavior, investment behavior, um, just the, 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 us humans, we are horrible, miserable creatures. It's true. No doubt. There's studies out there. We talk about the Dow Bar study, which is the, the easy way. I say the QAIB, which is the quantitative analysis of investor behavior. They come out every year and show us how horrible we all are. The average investor. Versus comparing just buying like the S&P 500. Com- compare they compare you to an index like the large cap index, mm-hmm. or they compare you to they'll even do like 60, target date 40. funds now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so then they show you how the typical investor doesn't hold their investments as long as they should. Yeah. They're very emotional, and all of this is ridiculous. And if you can figure out at, as early as possible that you are this emotional creature, and that you've got to, you're going to have to be a contrarian. There is a reason Warren Buffett. He says, be fearful when others are greedy and greedy when others are fearful. Yep. That is because he wants you to be a contrarian. And that all ties into this behavioral understanding of not making stupid financial decisions. And so we'll talk a little bit about some of the specifics in there. But what I think is so interesting about these three things we want to drive home with you is that, you know, with the first one, if you don't keep it simple, you can just be inefficient, right? You can kind of muddy the waters. And if you don't uh, understand taxes and fees, you can have some drag on your portfolio. You may not grow as well as it could over time. But those two are kind of like, you know, those are thorns, right? Yeah. If you screw up the knowing yourself part and understanding what kind of investor you are, now you're talking about making decisions that could possibly derail your plan, that could change your retirement. That's not the thorn. That's falling headlong into the briar bush. It's it's the difference between making uh, having a butter knife and, you know, cut, trying to cut an apple with mm-hmm. it and, and cutting yourself versus trying to trim a, a bush with a chainsaw and That's hitting right. the leg. I That's mean, right. it is that big of a difference. Yep of the same tools, but really could take you in a different direction on things. So let's kind of go through some of these areas that you need to know yourself. Yeah, I think one of the first ones that we often talk about, and this is, again, if you ever become a client of the firm, the very first meeting we have as clients, we don't talk about investments or taxes or anything. We talk about risk. And specifically, the relationship of risk capacity to risk tolerance. And and, and those things, look, risk tolerance is how much of a cowboy you are. I mean, it's truth. That's why I always get nervous about asking. I could ask a 75-year-old entrepreneur who discovered something or some, the worst are real estate developers. Oh, yeah. I mean, you get a real estate developer and you ask them, so, hey, you're 75 years old, um, market goes down, what are you going to do? They're like, giddy up. You know, and that, that's not the right answer. That's not- because you don't have the risk capacity, That's the right. time for the mark, you know, for your portfolio to recover to what's going on in the financial world. So risk tolerance is how much of a cowboy you are. It doesn't necessarily tell how much risk you should truly have that's right. because that's where risk capacity comes in because you might be at that stage of life where you need to marry the cowboy and the person that's gonna be in the background whispering, hey, I know we could, but maybe, maybe we, we shouldn't. Yeah. You know, so that's why those two do go hand in hand. You gotta have risk tolerance understanding and risk capacity on knowing yourself. Then- uh, another one I think is we all, I think as early investors, we all struggle with this overconfidence bias. And, and you know, I think a harsh truth that we need to share with most of you out there listening uh, is you're not Warren Buffett. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh no. And Warren even admits you're not going to be Warren That's Buffett true. anymore because I mean, he in his most recent letter, shareholder letter, he had um he had shared that, you know, they have kind of transitioned over the years. That's why he was changing the way they're doing accounting. Other thing is that they are now the holder of a multiple private businesses they've accumulated over the years. You're not going to be able to do that. Yep. I mean, it's not like because think about what Warren's benefit is. If you've ever followed Berkshire Hathaway, he publishes in all of his his shareholder letters. It says this is the key things we're looking for for a business. If you meet all these criteria, feel free to reach out to me. So you know it's like shooting all fish in the, the barrel. The, the 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 private wealthy people who have accomplished all their financial goals. They're super successful for their family, but they're getting a little grayer or longer in the tooth, and they go, you know what would be a great trophy for the trophy case? What if I sold my business to Berkshire Hathaway? I'm not going to tell. Warren, give me a few more years. I know you're going to live to be 136. (laughs) I don't think I am. So in a few years, I might be interested in a bound becoming part of Berkshire Hathaway. So so look me up. I mean, (laughs) this is the way it works. So you're not going to be... Warren Buffett. So that's what I'm saying. Know yourself. Know what your limitations are. So if and, and you're going to know, you're going to know there's other opportunities. Yeah. So if you're not Warren, how should you look about investing? What's one of the things you should think about? I think diversification is your friend. Yep. You got to be able to split your money up between. We've already said it, like cash, stocks, bonds. You know, understand how you can use mutual funds, index funds to kind of spread your risk out, and then. Use the way you invest to set you up for success on what you want because money is just a tool and then have a purpose for it. Have a plan of action for everything that you're doing. And then, Bo, I think you set this up best. I'm going to let you kind of close it out with this. Don't be afraid to ask for help. So what are the three key things and times we see people probably need to step up and and get somebody in their corner. Yeah, one of the questions that we get asked so often is, hey, how do I know when I should hire a financial advisor? When does it make sense to even start having that conversation? And we think there are really uh, three key points or three key moments where you should think about it. Uh, The first is when the gravity of your financial decisions becomes so big that it's difficult for you to bear a loan. If you make a 10% blunder on $10,000, you set yourself back a thousand bucks. It's probably not changing your life. If you make a 10% blunder on $250,000, now that's a $25,000 setback. That may be more than you're saving in a year. That may be a substantial piece of your income. It just becomes big. So if the decisions that you're making have larger and larger impact, it may make sense to hire an advisor. Well, I want to step in and say this one thing, because we've had this happen more and more often recently. We've had people who have estates of $4 million, $5 million, $10 million. That number, by the way, when you do 10% on those, yep. we're not talking about, we're, we're talking about cars, then we're talking about houses, then we're talking about legacies. That's right. So it, this doesn't get smaller. This becomes a bigger issue over time. That's exactly right. And then the second thing is what generally tends to happen is as our assets grow, as our life moves along, as we age, our situation becomes a little more complicated where it used to be really easy and we could go into TurboTax and do our tax return in 13 seconds. Now we have to go to all these different institutions and pull all these different forms and fill out all these different schedules. Things just get more complicated and we have to make sure that we are getting the estate documents right and doing the tax piece right and making sure we have the appropriate insurance. Well, if your life has gotten complicated to where you don't know that you're an expert in all the areas you should be an expert, it may make sense to think about having someone step in and help you there. And then the third time is, 
is when life just gets busy. Yeah. You know, we get pulled in all these different directions, whether it be uh, financial involvement or community involvement or family involvement or social involvement. It's really easy in those times for our financial lives to get pushed on the back burner because they can. If you find that you're someone who's not prioritizing the things that you should be prioritizing, it might be time to reach out and ask for some help. You may be in any one of those three areas, any combination of the three, or maybe all three of those describe exactly where you're at. If that's the case, it may make sense to seek some professional guidance. You know what I loved about that? You said the three reasons you might want to look and talk about a financial advisor. We are doing a show on the rule of three, and it really is amazing how the human brain, I think, just accepts and digests things so much easier. So that's why you transitioning into the rule of three with those three key points is so important. And kind of, just to kind of close it out, but give them a reminder of what the rule of three and what our three key points was again. Yeah, so we think if you really just want to think about what are three things I should know, or what are three just, my, you know, three ideas I should keep in the back of my head to set myself up to be successful financially, we think step number one is you just want to keep it simple. Oh, man. Uh, keep everything as simple as possible and no simpler. It was probably Benjamin Franklin that said yeah. that. No, I'm just kidding. It was, it was Einstein that said that one. Uh, number two, keep an eye on taxes and fees. Said a little bit differently, control what you can control. Yeah. Keep an eye on that stuff. And number three is know yourself. Understand who you are, how you should be looking at money, and when you know your, where, where your limitations are and how to navigate And that's well. the biggest one because that's the one that is going to derail you. Um, as we always see, when you get into the cycle of emotional... Um, reactions to markets and so forth. It's always that human element that freaks you out. That's the reason that the news media is trying to scare you. And that's why we try to give you a resource that's to right. kind of go above and beyond, beyond common sense, we'll say, so that you can make the right rational decisions for your personal finances. Now, we didn't do a great job of setting it up. You know, you guys, if you're tuning in for the first time, this is the Money Guy Show. You can go to moneyguy.com. <laughs> if this is your first time, how'd you stumble here on April Fool's Day? So moneyguy.com, reach out to us. We, by the way, we do this live stream every other Tuesday. Now we're doing this on a random Monday on April 1st, which if we were smart enough, we'd have marketed it as an we April Fool's have, thing. Dummies. But um, you know, make sure you're going to YouTube and you're subscribing. Make sure you're going to moneyguy.com. Give us your email address and your zip code. Um, we're asking for the zip code because I think in the future we want to know where all the Money Guy family lives so we can kind of kind of attack those certain areas specifically and maybe even do some drop-ins from time to Did time. Did I tell you that we actually had someone reach out who said, because uh, you know we mentioned we might take the show on the road, he said, hey, if you come uh, come to L.A. and if you do a talk in L.A., I'll save an extra 1%. I love it. You know, he's bribing us by making himself more successful. <laughs> Maybe that it. means he's going to take it to the next rela next level of the relationship I that much it. sooner. But guys, thanks so much for tuning in on this special Monday's episode. Go check us out, moneyguy.com. I'm your host, Brian Preston, Mr. Bo Hansen. Thank you for putting up with the grovelly um, Stevie Nicks voice. I'll have it all back to normal soon. We'll talk to you soon. The Money Guy podcast is hosted by Brian Preston. Brian Preston is a principal with Abound Wealth Management. Abound Wealth Management is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by the Security and Exchange Commission in accordance and compliance with the securities laws and regulations. Abound Wealth Management does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through the Money Guy podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment or legal advice. Music